The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. On this week's Court TV podcast, the Netflix documentary Tiger King has become a national sensation and opens the door to a number of legal issues. Was Joe Exotic set up? Could his nemesis, Carol Baskin, come under more police scrutiny due to the publicity? Plus, we'll discuss the constitutional implications of COVID-19 and religious liberty and get an update on what Harvey Weinstein's life is like in prison. This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinnie Politan and Seema Iyer. Welcome to the Court TV Podcast. I'm Seema Iyer with Vinnie Politan. We are still socially distant, but the good news is we are bringing you the podcast every week and we are back on the air. That's right. We're back on. We're back on Court TV. Uh, it, we're live every night from 8 to 11, so check us out there, number one. Number two, um, let me tell you, Seema, being socially isolated the way I am, right? In your dungeon. Locked up. Locked up with a little bit of extra time because no commuting or anything. Got more time to watch some TV other than Court TV. And I've been on Netflix and like millions of other Americans and yeah. obsessed and hooked and binged on Tiger King. Okay, well, you have to give Julie Grant credit because Julie Grant, our other co-anchor, she got you hooked on Tiger King and then you just fell for it. Uh, absolutely. And I went, I went all in, did it all in like a day and a half and learned a lot. Learned a lot. You know, when we signed up for Corey TV, they said, okay, Seema, we want you to be a hard-hitting legal journalist. You're going to be overwhelmed with assignments, you're writing, you're producing, you're anchoring, you're reporting. And then it, I was told, uh, yeah, you have to sit at home and watch Tiger King. And I asked yeah. for a raise. I didn't get one. And I tried, okay? so This th is a legal story. That's what you need to understand. Is. This is a legal story in two senses. On the one sense, you've got an unsolved mystery that could be a true crime. And on the other hand, you had an actual federal trial, Seema Iyer. A federal trial. Oh, should we say this? Spoiler alert. Okay, <laughs> yeah. there we go. Did it already. Um, if you haven't binged, you need to. Uh, but if you haven't, you'll still enjoy what we're going to talk about here. Because uh, Seema refuses to watch the whole series. Well, it's not that I refuse. Because uh, so when I was cleaning the apartment this weekend, under the strict orders of our podcast producer you must watch tiger king i tried i really tried but my problem is i find it so disturbing i find it really disturbing joe exotic and i i do feel sorry for him because i and i think this is just one of the first episodes i only saw i only got through what two or three you know when he talks about how hard it was for him to come out and uh as a gay man and and, you know, how his father completely rejected him. And I really I have a, I have a point here, Vinny. I think this is the example of people whose lives fall apart when they don't have parents who support them. I mean, people like you and me, we have the greatest parents, right? Like We've always talked about how our parents have supported us, even changing careers. So all of this so other, what you're saying but his is his life fell apart because his father rejected him. 
Go. If Joe Exotic was raised by our parents, it would be a, we wouldn't have this show. Well, here, here let me tell you this. Here, here's the, the, the big takeaway, though, is that by the end of the series, again, spoiler alert, there's a trial, federal trial for Joe Exotic, and it has to do with two things. One, a murder-for-hire plot against his rival, Carol Baskin, who she runs a big cat rescue in Florida. He runs a private zoo, uh, exotic zoo, in Oklahoma. And, and they're rivals because he feels like she's out to destroy him, and he publicly speaks about destroying her and ultimately gets indicted uh, for a murder-for-hire plot. But also charges against him involving uh, the treatment of the wildlife, of the treatment of these big cats at his zoo. So he has a trial, and he's convicted at this trial, Seema, and yet... Yet, yes. many people like you and me who watched this show kind of felt a little bit bad for Joe Exotic. You but, know why? But, because Carol and her husband are the most annoying busybodies I've ever looked at. I watched enough to know that I hate them both. They're so freaking annoying. And I still can't conceptually see the difference between what Carol is doing. I mean, Carol has people working for her for next to nothing. You know, she's got all these people volunteering. I can't really see the difference between Carol and uh, Doc Antle and Joe Exotic. To me, they're all the same. Uh, and I, 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 I do feel bad. I, I do feel bad to the extent that Joe got convicted because I think a lot of people want to kill Carol. I think it's like get in line. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. Um, I spoke with one of the jurors, and the, the, the one takeaway, which I suspected from the beginning, anytime you watch one of these docuseries, whether it's Making a Murderer or any of these other ones that come out, the producers are producing television. They're not trying a case. So they get to be the judges. They get to decide what comes in and what comes out. Like a judge decides what evidence the jury gets to hear. A producer of a series gets to decide what the viewers get to see. And what this juror told me is that two completely different stories. One is the docuseries. The other is the trial. And, and, and she says that, you know what, they left a lot of the information out of the docuseries. And you have to take it with a grain of salt, which I always do because I always feel like there's more to the story. And this really reminds me, Vinny, of the Durst trial, okay? Because the same type of conversation was happening between the HBO docuseries The Jinx as opposed to the real trial, which, of course, has been halted because of the COVID-19 crisis. But, again, the journalist-filmmaker's responsibility to the audience is very different than ours as lawyers. And there is no question that Tiger King is entertaining and also informative and also a legal story. There's no question. It's just, though, it is a car crash. And, uh, okay, when are we talking about Doc Antle being a sex trafficker? Because that is real. That is that is he's well, 100%. I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny those allegations that you're making here, Seema. I think we not, should open a Core TV Investigates 
against Doc Antle. And this is another one of these uh, a big cat guys. He's down in, in South Carolina uh, doing his thing. He's, he's had his own legal troubles now as well. And, and I think with the, the spotlight shining on all of this, uh, people are taking a closer look. So here's what I want to do, Seema, because I had an opportunity to speak with this juror. Yes. When we come back, we're going to hear what the juror had to say about her impressions of Joe Exotic and his rival, the victim in the trial in which she was a juror, Carol Baskin. That is next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Welcome back to the Court TV podcast, and we're talking about what millions of Americans other than Seema Iyer are talking about because they all watched it, and she she gave up too early on uh, Tiger King. You know, I, I've uh, put in a request to our bosses that instead of our new primetime show, 8 to 11 p.m., hosted by Vinnie Politan, we just call it uh, Tiger King Live. There you go. Or Court TV Tiger King, because we are wall-to-wall time. We're and 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 God bless Joe Exotic for giving us legal news in the time of coronavirus. Thank you, Joe Exotic. Absolutely. So I had an opportunity to speak with one of the jurors from his federal trial. Spoiler alert again. Um, and and I asked her about Joe Exotic, what she thought of this man. Take a listen. He said, "My name is uh, Joseph Maldonado Passage, and I'm the reason you're all here." And that. I knew right then that it was going to be kind of a crazy ride. Just because there's a difference between between saying you want somebody dead and, and actually going to the lengths that he did on his show to shoot a blow-up doll, um, we never, never questioned that he wanted her dead. So it, it, was, it seems like it was pretty clear from the beginning of this trial that they were in for quite a ride. And, and obviously they were. It wasn't the longest trial, but it was one full of all the characters that you saw from Netflix. Many of them ended up testifying, Seema. I wish that we were aware of the case back then, because I, I think that it would have just... I mean, could you imagine, first of all, could you just imagine the fashion between Joe Exotic's pink lame button down and his tight jeans? Don't forget the mullet. The mullet still the, the mullet. intact at trial. So amazingly. Now, here's the thing. She, in the end, she really didn't like Joe Exotic. He, he did not come across as a likable character. He was a guy who who she believed was driven by ego and driven by money. And everything that he did, whether it was relative to the, the Tigers or to her, was driven by his ego and, and money. I was just going to say that. I think I watched enough to, I feel sorry for him at times, but what bothers me is that he's really not likable. And when you see how incredible they are with animals, I, I admire that as well, because I think it's, it's really hard to kind of have that relationship with wild animals, not be scared and, and even be just compassionate with them. But he's just not likable. There's no, there's no, warmth in him and he seems completely narcissistic and self-absorbed all he wanted was fame 
This, and, 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 you know, he was driven. Oh, by- but he has a good voice. Well, I, well, is it his voice or is it Millie Vanilli? We're not sure on that on that oh, point. Oh, I think I think I think Julie Grant's investigating she, that. Julie she's Grant, part of the she's part of the um, Court TV investigates Tiger King uh, Bureau the ti- that we've set up the now. Tiger we've, we've opened a bureau. King I Team, the Tiger King I Team. Well, right, and uh, uh, Julie Grant and Lauren Rudisil are co. Bureau chiefs. Yeah, they're working. They're working. They're working the story. That's what you do. Like round the clock. That's I mean, I don't think those two sleep story. because Tiger King is 24-7. You can't sleep <laughs> with Tiger King. So now on the other hand, like I understood the, the way she she, you know, how Joe Exotic came across to her, that he was egotistical, driven by money, uh, just wanted fame, everything was about him, treated people meanly. And in the end, if the if the tigers weren't making money for him, he was gonna get rid of the tiger. And 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 that ultimately was his downfall in front of the jury. Now I asked her, I asked her also about Carol Baskin because in the trial, in the trial, she's the victim, right? There's 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 two parts of it. There's the wildlife charges, and then there are the charges for murder for hire. Here's what she had to say about the victim, Carol Baskin. I guess technically she's the victim, but she sure didn't give that impression on the stand. She she um, I can only speak for myself, but. I didn't care for. She seemed to almost antagonize him from the stand, kind of looking over at him and and just giving him these looks when she thought nobody was looking and then saying that she just didn't even want to be in the same room with him and she was afraid of him and um just I just didn't have any sympathy for her. So she is not, uh, doesn't come across great either during the trial, but it didn't impact the jury dur- during their deliberations because Seema, what she told me was that they deliberated for a very quick time. I mean, they're only out for a few, yeah. few hours in total for like 19 charges, yeah. but they were like done with the murder for hire super fast and then got to work on the, on the animal charges. So despite the fact that she may not have come across as, as likable, Ultimately, they believe she was a victim here. Because of the evidence. I, think about it. He was so out there, so public with his disdain and vitriol towards this woman that they had no choice but to come to a quick decision. I think where they were torn is really when you do see how he takes care of the animals, you just... It, I don't know. You you question it. You question, is he really harming them? Uh, he's not like uh, my grandfather. I have to tell the story. You know, my grandfather was a big game hunter. So my mom, you know, had this arranged marriage, got married to my dad. They come from India on what airline? Wait for it. Air India, because that's where all the Indians flew back then. So they fly on Air India. And I don't know how we got it in our house in New Jersey, but we grew up with the these two leopard skins, like with the heads. So we have the head and the teeth. And then all the kids in the neighborhood would come over to see the Ayers uh, dead animals. Dead animals, Sue. There you go. Yeah. yeah and in exotic. my parents' divorce, in my parents' divorce, they fought over those. <laughs> Leopard skins. My mom won. I mean, it was her dad. It seemed only fair. But anyway, that was my little sidebar. Yeah. Now I'm trying to remember what I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Joe Exotic. The trial. Well, but here was the problem with Joe Exotic. And basically, if the way the case was explained to the jury, which was a little bit different than the way it came across in the Netflix show, was that when 
these tigers um, outlived their usefulness, and and he had space for three tigers, and someone wanted to pay him to board a tiger. He would kill a tiger to make space for a tiger that he was going to gain revenue from, and that's that's where he ran into big trouble with this jury. The other thing uh, that that she did say though was that based upon the trial, it, there was a difference, and and the big difference between uh, Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic was. And this picture was painted in the courtroom as well. Is that Joe Exotic used tiger cubs as these rev- for petting, and 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 she doesn't do that. What she does in her um, rescue is just have the big cats. They live there till they die. So um, some people are still going to argue there's 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 not much of a difference, but for some people there is a big difference. But do you know? And, and I'm really curious. Is there any evidence to support that letting people uh, visitors to this park pet tiger cubs is that dangerous to the tiger cubs is it harmful i think there's a split i think there's a split in the community a lot of people believe that that is that that is not right you shouldn't be doing that but then take a look at all the talk shows through the years the late night shows they always have these tiger cubs on my goodness in the in the netflix series you see that they bring them onto the floor of congress and you've got members of congress petting the tiger cubs so oh my god because some of them are so cute they're really really cute Okay. All right. So next up, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We have to talk about what is going on in this world. And a a big issue for a lot of people during this pandemic is how they can pray. Where do you find a house of worship? Are houses of worship still allowed to congregate? Vinny and I are going to talk about that after this. For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front-row seat to justice. The eternal battle, church versus state. But in the time of COVID-19, who should win, Vinny? I, I think this is, is not a, a clean-cut case. You know, you're, you're talking about um, constitutional rights, freedom to peaceably assemble, uh, freedom of religion, freedom of expression and speech, and, and you kind of wrap those all together. And yes, we've got these, these public safety issues, and we've got orders being uh, sent out by governors across the country. So the question is, can people or can they not uh, congregate in their congregations? Can they get together uh, to worship? Is there, is there a way um, to constitutionally stop people and prohibit this from happening? So I, I think you can, but you have to do it in the least restrictive manner possible, okay? Like, you... Can people congregate? Well, maybe if they're all eight feet apart or six feet apart in an open area, I don't know. But to just shut it down altogether, I I think if it goes to court and goes up the ladder, there's going to be a justice somewhere who's going to say, wait a minute. Well, the battle is happening now in our country. Pastors are fighting to keep uh, their congregations alive. And uh, Ted Rollins did this great piece. It's on CoreTV.com. And he talked about uh, this happening all across the country, but focused on this one case happening now. A lawsuit has been filed. It's in Texas. 
And the pastor involved, Pastor Bustamante, is uh, the plaintiff in this action, and he's basically trying to lift a judge's restriction. Let's listen to a little bit of what Pastor Bustamante has to say. We're not doing anything different than we normally do. This is our calling. This is our high calling from God, and we believe that God is there and God is protecting us. So, I mean, this is our convictions, and... um, I mean, you know, every man or woman has made up their convictions. We rise in our fall in our convictions, and that's our convictions. And what we're, we believe that what we're doing is right. We're not trying to hurt or become a burden to our city officials. We're trying to help. So, in essence, the pastor is saying uh, you can't infringe upon our First Amendment right, freedom of a religion. It's just it's it's not acceptable during this time. There's just not enough evidence. What do you think in general? Just what is your opinion of his argument? The arguments they're making are interesting uh, because they're talking about, okay, well, you're not restricting people from going to these big stores, you know, whether it's Costco, supermarket, liquor stores. And if you look at some of the scenes of of people together in these stores and, and you're wondering, okay, if they can go there to do that to get food, why can't they do the same thing to pray? So if you've got... Um, the government treating one class of, 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 of services slash businesses one way and another another way, um, that's where you run into, run into trouble. Like if, if it's a bright line rule and everyone is treated the same, that's okay. But if you're treating churches different than you're treating uh, liquor stores and, and food stores, um, that could be a problem. That could be a real constitutional problem. And, and they, I think what you need to do is carve out a way that they can do it um, in a way that's safe, some alternative way. We know video is one way, yes. but if they don't want to do video, they want to do it in person. Well, Can you? There has to be a way for people to do it. Okay, and and there is. Well, let's first before you and I go further into the legal discussion, let's listen to what the lawyer involved has to say with respect to the larger churches, what we call the mega churches, those having you know, tens of thousands of people, it doesn't have near the impact on them. The people that get really impacted are the small to medium-sized churches. Those churches like Pastor Bustamante's, they, you know, have approximately 100 people or so uh, every Sunday or every Wednesday night. It's those individuals that are being shut down and put out of business. Additionally, uh, the Bible tells them that we are to come together as a congregation, as a body of believers. And so for them, that is a deeply held religious belief. And to the extent that the government comes in and says you cannot exercise that deeply held religious belief that you find in the Bible, then we believe that that is an infringement on their First Amendment liberties. And that's what we're asking the courts to rule. We're asking the courts to look at Judge Hidalgo's order, to declare it void and invalid and unconstitutional, and then to issue what's called an injunction, something prohibiting it from going forward. Okay, so that's what the lawyer has to say about defending Pastor Bustamante's. You know, I th- here's the one thing that that strikes me. You know, because there's going to be arguments about the the you know religion and and healing people and giving people hope and everything that they need during a trying time like this. Um, but I'm wondering how much of this is driven by that versus getting those collections. Thank you, because you heard what I heard, the word business. Listen, yeah. you know what, Vinny, you want hope? Go on Oprah's Twitter feed. She'll give you plenty of hope. Or l- do what everybody else is doing, and this is the truth. We are, and, and you know, it's so funny, the night before um, 
Ted did this show, uh, did this segment, excuse me, I was actually looking online for online services, Hindu services, and uh, all seriousness. I mean, I think, you know, we're all scared about what's happening in this world. We're scared for other people. We're scared for ourselves. And I was looking for that. And, and this is what the law says. The law says, listen, if you're going to take away one of my constitutional rights, you better have a good reason. Of course, a little more articulate than I am, but I'm street. So I'm giving you the street definition. So you better give me an alternative, Vincent. And here's yeah. your alternative. You have online. But and here's and here's I just want to make a point. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, I completely uh, when you were bringing up the argument about this food stores being open, liquor stores being open. Uh, those are essential services. I'm sorry. I know you don't drink, but me and the rest of the human race does no and we I, need I, it. I agree no I, I i agree those are essential services but um you know services are essential services and and for many people they rely upon this for for their mental health right for a way to make it through here so i understand that part see whenever you're taking away a constitutional right you have to do it in the least restrictive manner possible and just a blanket you can't do it, I think, is problematic. You need to do it in a way that, okay, why are we taking it away? We're taking it away because of the health risk. Okay, is there a way to do it and not, and not violate that health risk? So an outdoor service with, pe with, with public address speakers and, and people spread out in areas that are safely apart. Um, can that get it done? You bring your lawn chair and you're in an area that you're, no one's within six feet of you. Um, I think ultimately, if you are trying to stop something like this, you need to do it in a way um, where you're not just taking it away. You're giving them an opportunity to do it without violating uh, what you are concerned about, which is public safety. But Pastor Bustamante should have put that in his papers. He should have said, hey, because remember that video in Ted's piece, uh, Bustamante's outdoors. So do yeah. what you're saying. Kind of separate everybody. Everybody has a designated spot. And then you have uh, whatever the police officers are watching, make sure everybody's safe and do it that way and have a loudspeaker if you need that person to person contact. Absolutely. Okay. So we're still going to stay on the topic of liberties. Because up next, we're going to talk about the ACLU. They have just filed a class action lawsuit to release hundreds of high-risk inmates at a federal prison. So this talks to a much bigger issue, and that is inmates, jails, prisons, COVID-19. We'll talk about that next. Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to CourtTV.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area. Okay, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, has just filed a class action lawsuit seeking the release of hundreds of high-risk inmates at a federal prison. Now, this specifically relates to the one in Louisiana that has claimed the lives of five prisoners, Vinny, 
and infected nearly two dozen others. This is not a new story because in general, this is all we've been hearing since the pandemic is, and that is throughout this country, jails and prisons are hotbed for this infection. Now, when you say high risk, do you mean high risk to get uh, the coronavirus or high risk to the public when they are released? I, I think they mean the former to okay. get coronavirus. That's well, what they're saying. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the public is concerned about the latter of all that is, OK, here's the problem. Once you start releasing inmates, right, um, and prisoners, uh, what what is the risk to the public as well? OK, there's two parts of this. We understand the risk to the inmate who's already demonstrated to us. And we're talking about prisoners now, I believe. Right. We're talking about prisoners, not. Yes. Not, not people who are presumed innocent. These are people who are convicted. Yeah, no, we're, we're talking about prisoners because your convicted favorite prisoner. Convicted felons. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about your favorite prisoner. Okay, so we but put them in the felon finish bucket. Finish your point, Okay, yeah. so yeah. we got them in the felon, felon bucket. bucket. So when we let bucket. these felons out early from prison, right, um, what risk are we now subjecting the rest of the community to, whether it is um, either their immediate uh, family members who will have to take them in because of all the stay-at-home orders, or to perhaps their neighbors? And, and I think that is part of the equation here, and we've got to be really careful and I don't like these blanket releases. I like an individual case, literally case by case review of defendants who are being let loose. I agree with you on the case by case review, but I think you are missing a step. And that is we're not talking about having these like diseased, convicted felons running amok in our streets. There's something called a halfway house. We could put them in a halfway house. Okay. What about that? Okay. What do you think about that? Well, here's the other part of it, right? We've got all these social distancing um, requisites that are being put out there and orders being put out there. How likely are convicted felons to uh, follow orders like that? I mean, they couldn't follow the rules uh, before all this happened. Why no, would they before, start following the they, rules they now? They may be convicted for a long time. Maybe they've uh, rehabilitated. That's a word, right? Rehabilitated. Yeah, they could do yeah. that. Maybe they have. Um, but that's why I do think th it's, it's, it's case by case. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's some judges out there, and I think there's a lot of lawyers out there who just want to say, okay, if you committed this or you have this many days left, you're out. You get you get out of out of prison. You get out of prison. You get out of prison. And And I think, no, each one gets a hearing and maybe has to file papers. Either on their, uh, you know, on their own behalf, or by some uh, great lawyer who's going to donate their time. Uh, but there has to be some level of scrutiny here, because anytime I hear these magical words like, um, "was it nonviolent offender?" Yeah, I remember when 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 President Obama was releasing all these nonviolent offenders, and then I actually looked them up, and they were like people convicted of dealing drugs with <gasps> guns, oh. with guns. I'm like. A drug dealer with a gun is now a nonviolent offender. See, that's 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 what happens here, and that's what I'm always afraid you. of. I no. Here's the thing: even back then, when Obama was doing that, I completely agree with you because people who are in their ivory towers talking about crime don't understand crime. Where there are drugs, there are guns. That is the rule of the streets. 
Everybody knows that. So I'm so sick and tired of people saying nonviolent felony offenders when they're talking about drug dealers because you cannot be a drug dealer unless you have a piece. Boom. Okay. So now we got to talk about we got to talk about your favorite prisoner. Who's your favorite prisoner of of your life? Uh, not of my Who life. Who do you heart? But he, Who he do you go, heart? Top ten. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Top ten. Harvey Weinstein. You love. You love Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Uh, so love him. Okay. So well, here's you. You know the deal. Uh, they couldn't apply for him to be released because now he's a what convicted rapist yes he is so he's an he's a violent felony offender doesn't doesn't uh, uh qualify to be released okay but i did get to sit down with his prison consultant because when you're a fancy convicted felon you get a prison consultant and this is what Craig Rothfeld had to say about Harvey Weinstein and the prison system. I think at the onset, it was to just explain to him what could happen, uh, it, you know, discuss the journey. You know, I often call it the journey. What happens when you enter this Byzantine black hole, you know, which is what it is, you know, the Bermuda Triangle or, you know, for all the Star Wars fans, it's like the Star Wars cantina scene. Um, I wanted to explain to him what would happen if he was found guilty and they revoked his bail, um, which would have been no different than and he'd say it out on bail when we were sentenced. And, you know, I explained the step-by-step process from the minute you get sentenced and go through that side door and get processed into the Department of Corrections. And an important part of what you do initially is to just discuss the first 90 days. What are those first 90 days like? What does it feel like? What's going to happen to you? Where are you going to go? So. Harvey's still within that first 90 days. Craig Rothfell still on the case. I, I asked him a lot of questions, including, hey, Craig, are you recommending which gang Harvey should join? Like, is it the Latin Kings? But he's Jewish. He's not going to get into Latin Kings. Maybe the Bloods, maybe the Crips. Maybe he can start his own gang. Here's my take. I think he'll do well in prison because he's, he's smart. Um, I think he understands. Charming. He's charming. He can be charming. And, and uh, I think people realize that he has money. So I think if you have money on the inside, there's a way for you to have some level of respect and power as well. So um, I think he's going to do OK. I, I think he'll, he'll create a new life for himself there. It's not going to be the life he used to have. Much different. Uh, but, I, but I think he's going to end up surviving. And I just want our listeners to know, the other Harvey Weinstein fans out there, that according to Mr. Rothfeld, who spoke to Harvey just minutes before he spoke to me, Harvey's health is status quo. He did not confirm or deny whether Harvey was, in fact, infected with the coronavirus, but health is the same. So there you have it. All right. We wrapped it up. And we we did a podcast almost without Harvey Weinstein. He keeps lingering. No, like, from now on for the rest of our lives, it's going to be Harvey Weinstein, Tiger King, and maybe some law sprinkled in. It's that thing you can't scrape off the bottom of your foot. What do they call that? Anyhow. <laughs> hey, it, this has been great. Um, once again, folks, don't forget you can uh, listen to us uh, every week on a podcast, but we also have TV shows, and we've got this great show that's going right now during our special programming uh, from 8 to 11 every night. Every Amazing. night, Seema. Amazing. And, and so many stories. So much is happening. What can people do? Say they have a digital antenna, Seema. I don't know. Right? I don't and know. I'm not answering you. It's I'm called. Not, I'm not answering this. It's Rescan. called rescanning. Rescan. Rescan that digital antenna. You'll get your core TV signal, uh, your front row seat to justice. Thanks so much, folks.
Thank you, Seema. Be safe. Be safe out there. You too, Vinny. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.